Hello, my name is Dr. Boris Worm, and you're listening to the Root and STEM podcast, a podcast exploring issues and stories in STEAM education. In this episode, we explore the challenges of preserving and protecting marine ecosystems. My name is Boris Worm. I'm a research professor in marine conservation biology at Dalhousie University. I'm also an ocean ambassador for ocean literacy at the Ocean Frontier Institute meaning that my work is creating the research, but also communicating it more widely. I'm also the scientific director of Ocean School, which is a joint initiative we have with the National Film Board to bring ocean content into schools. Really, my goal is to understand how, how we can live on our planet, which happens to be a blue planet. It's 71% water. And so we can only understand our planet if we understand the ocean, and maybe more importantly, our relationship to the ocean, how the ocean affects us and how we affect the ocean in turn. So my work kind of has three pillars. One, the research is largely trying to understand all of our relations um, to the ocean and the ocean to us and how those are changing over time and how we can make those better. Um, by, and that will be the second pillar, by building on what works. So I'm really interested in management solutions, um, creative solutions that uh, make us tread more lightly on ocean life and help us to recover and rebuild ocean life where necessary. And then the third pillar would be by communicating with each other, trying to raise awareness and insights and really get people excited about that amazing ocean environment that few of us really explore at depth and some of the scientific breakthroughs we're having in understanding the ocean, our relationship to it. So understanding, building on solutions and communicating those, those will be the three main things I do. A lot of is through my work with students, um, graduate students and postdocs who are largely engaged in global and regional data analysis, trying to make sense of that huge universe of data that's already out there um, that gives us an insight in how the ocean works and what our place is in it. Historically, um, fishing and hunting were the mo two most important influences on marine life. Uh, they're much more direct than the effects of, for example, plastic pollution or climate change at this point, although climate change is becoming much more important as is plastic pollution. Um, but uh, the effects of fishing still to this day um, um, are, are really outsized. They've greatly reduced uh, the number of large whales, turtles, sharks, and fish in our ocean. The good news is that almost all species of large marine life we have, many of which depleted, can still recover. Uh, very, very few of them, very few examples of species have gone extinct in the ocean. And that's really good news because it means we're in a better position than on land. Also, the degree of habitat destruction in the ocean is, is less than on land. There's more wilderness. Um, and we're seeing a rapid increase in marine parks that can help us um, recover marine life. So my focus really is to try to document what works, what solutions that are often implemented by individual communities that are really making a difference and really building on these efforts and amplifying them and uh, making them more widely known. So I'll give you an example. We had um, a large publication on uh, protected areas and where they're currently placed and how to increase protected area coverage in the ocean more um, intelligently, I guess, by placing them in areas that 
fulfill not just one or two, but three main objectives to rebuild depleted stocks of, of fish that we have over harvested and in in the in this benefiting fisheries and the communities that depend on it. At the same time, recovering biodiversity, so the whole range of species that are living in that ecosystem. And then the third one is to buffer marine life against the effects of climate change, for example, by protecting marine carbon stocks. And we found that these three objectives can be optimized at the same time. And we did a global mapping mapping exercise and um, showed that um, when you when you place these protected areas more more smartly given these different objectives you can um, you get essentially a better bang for your buck and um, this is what we should be doing climate change essentially has three main effects on the ocean it's warming the ocean up it's turning it sour and it's making it run out of breath what i mean by that is that um, through the greenhouse gas effect, not just our atmosphere is warming, but the ocean as well. And few people actually realize that over 90% of the excess heat we produce through the greenhouse effects ends up in the ocean. In other words, if the ocean wouldn't be there, climate change and its effect on us would be progressing much, much more rapidly because all that heat would be in the atmosphere and not in the ocean. Um, also, the ocean is taking up about one third um, of the carbon dioxide we emit. By that, it is turning more sour because that carbon dioxide is dissolving in the ocean and it's forming carbonic acid, um, which uh, can be a problem for uh, some marine life. For example, those that build calcareous shells, which then uh, might dissolve. Um, and the third effect, the running out of breath, um, describes the, what's called the deoxygenation of the ocean. So the ocean has a much lower oxygen content than the atmosphere. Um, so it's a limiting factor for a lot of species that live there. And there is areas in the ocean that are naturally quite low in oxygen, particularly in deeper waters or in upwelling areas. What we're finding is that with increased climate change, the warmer waters on top um, reduce the circulation with the deeper waters below. And as such, they reduce the sort of breathing motion where uh, surface waters that are rich in oxygen through the exchange with the atmosphere um, re-oxygenate or breathe into the deeper ocean. That process is slower, and so we see less oxygen in deeper water, which is a concern for marine life. At the same time, um, the flip side of that is that the deeper waters, they tend to be more rich in nutrients, and the same circulation is bringing nutrients into surface water where phytoplankton lives that are the base of the food chain in the ocean. And what we're seeing with ocean warming is that because of that reduction in circulation, also um, the abundance of phytoplankton is slowly declining, which is a concern, again, because it's the base of the food chain, much like plants on land. Um, so ocean warming has a range of effects, not just warmer oceans that lead to species moving into more northern waters and coral reefs bleaching, something that a lot of people now are aware of, um, it also uh, compromises the ability of the ocean to uptake oxygen and to produce plankton by limiting its nutrient supply. So we really have to be on, on top of this and we have to limit the effects of climate change um, to make sure that marine life doesn't suffer more than need be. So what we're seeing as in terms of the effects of climate change directly on marine life, a lot of species are changing their distribution. They're moving into cooler waters, often further north or deeper waters as well, if they can, based on their habitat needs. 
Um, we also see um, changes in the food chain. So for example, killer whales, uh, orcas, are now moving into more northerly polar waters and they're feeding there on, for example, narwhal, which they didn't do so much in the past. And that's having an impact on narwhal stock, which are hunted by local Inuit hunters. So um, some of these changes can um, upset food chains and uh, the fabric of the ecosystem. Although in this example, the effects are not very large yet, but they could become large if this trend continues. Um, so we'll have to keep an eye on these um, changes to the ecosystem. Of course, a major effect of climate change on the ocean that I haven't mentioned yet is the one that's probably most um, concerning for us, particularly if we live in coastal environments and that sea level rise. And it turns out that particularly the melting of the Antarctic ice cap and the disintegration of extremely large Antarctic glaciers is um, driving up sea level much, much faster than we originally thought. So um, by the end of this current century, we're projecting between one and possibly three, even four meters of sea level rise, which could be um, very, very difficult for a lot of low-lying coastal areas like the Netherlands, Bangladesh, but even here in Nova Scotia, where I live, um, the effects could be quite drastic on a lot of coastal communities. So again, one really important reason to limit uh, the rate of climate change and stop climate change altogether this century, if we want to um, uh, halt this, um, this really destructive trend. Ocean School is a free interactive online learning platform that we at Dalhousie University and the Ocean Frontier Institute do together with the National Film Board of Canada, which of course has a large um, expertise in educational films. We're doing this for grades six and up. We have over 100 videos, interactive games, virtual augmented reality resources, a whole universe of content. And it really allows um, teachers and students equally to explore the ocean and learn about it in a fun way. Um, learning about the latest science, things like steering an underwater robot, dissecting a virtual cod, harvesting kelp with indigenous fishers on the West Coast, diving on the world's richest coral reefs, or learning about their recovery from previous overfishing. So the content really is designed in a way that it um, uh, fosters inquiry-based learning and it doesn't require teachers to be an expert in oceans at all. They can learn alongside the students and co-discover and co-create their own content. So um, there's a rich um, roster of learning resources and um, follow-up activities that uh, teachers can do with their students. Parents at home have used it quite a bit during COVID, um, teaching their kids from home. Um, so it's it's been a, a area of rapid growth um, and really the goal here is to grow what we call ocean literacy which is our understanding again of the impact of the ocean on our lives but also our own impact of the ocean and how does that relationship work and how can we individually and collectively make better decisions around the ocean. I'm the scientific director of Ocean School so my role really is to make sure everything is scientifically accurate and reflects our latest understanding and recent breakthroughs in our understanding of the ocean and so to make it really engaging that way. Mm -hmm. 
most curricula are very low in ocean content to start with. And this is, of course, something we're trying to correct with Ocean School. Oftentimes, the conservation of biodiversity and how that is done in practice and what are the benefits of that is not covered in great detail. So I think that could uh, potentially be amplified. Also, the role of indigenous people in, um, in communities in making those changes is sometimes not emphasized enough. So that's also something we're really highlighting in Ocean School, um, using local experts from a variety of areas around Canada and internationally as well. And it's been really fun. We're working also with young people, with youth hosts who kind of model the inquiry behavior to the students and really diving in and investigating by themselves and asking hard questions about how we can improve our relationship to the natural world and to each other as well. And um, I think that's coming out uh, very loud and clear in these resources. We need to be aware of the fact that the ocean touches every single aspect of our life. Um, every second breath we take, uh, oxygen from the ocean contributes to it. Every, um, every meal we have um, likely has an ocean component in it. Often we don't know. Yogurt, for example, has alginates in it, algae-derived compounds that, that make it um, more solid. Um, so um, there's a lot of links that we're not aware of between the ocean and us. Um, making the planet really habitable and supporting life on Earth as we know it, including our own. And I think once we're better appreciating that connection, um, our kind of inherent fascination with and love for the ocean is only growing and we're able to make better and more informed decisions about how we treat the oceans in our own lives and also collectively. I definitely think there's a lot of signs of hope in the ocean these days because the awareness we have globally that there is an ocean, that it is fragile, that it is important, um, is at an all-time high. And so we see, for example, with plastics, that a lot of people are questioning their choices in um, consuming single-use plastics. We see increasingly bans on single-use plastics and uh, people are making better choices. Uh, we see better recycling programs, better um, waste management programs as a result of that. With fishing, I see a lot of awareness on sustainable seafood, and that's really transforming the marketplace in the kind of fish that people trade now. And um, there's stronger and stronger standards on that that fish needs to be sustainably sourced, and it can't be from a fishery that's overfished or damaging to the environment in other ways. Um, and then um, even with climate change, I feel we're really at a turning point where we're quickly realizing um, that we need to shift much more rapidly than we thought to renewables. And again, the ocean has to play a large role there. Ocean wind farms, tidal energy, wave energy, all of these are um, sources of clean energy that are only beginning to be uh, implemented on a large scale. So it's really an exciting time to be in ocean science and ocean conservation and ocean awareness more generally because it's such an important and growing part of, of our world, really.
we highlight a lot of actions that people can take in their personal lives. To give you an example, I just went for an ocean hike yesterday and I was picking up plastic along the way. It's an easy thing to do. You just bring a bag um, or you stuff it into your backpack you carry anyways. And that ocean is not going to harm marine life and it's going to be safely disposed or recycled. So that's a very easy, simple thing we can do. Not consuming so much plastic in the first case is, is another one. Um, if you eat seafood um, uh, using seafood labels like Marine Stewardship Council or OceanWise here in Canada to um, make sure that you're sourcing sustainable seafood and you're supporting uh, with that sustainable fisheries rather than other ones. If we could get some of that behavior implemented um, individually and collectively, I think that would be a big step ahead in and of itself. For more about ocean conservation, check out the Root and Stem magazine at pnive.com or more episodes of the Root and Stem podcast available to download on your streaming platform of choice, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google.